the blast from our past network. Do you ever think about the future at all? The future? You mean like flying cars? Hotels on the moon? Tang? And this is why you're fucked? No, it's why you're fucked. You're just trying to blueprint a future. Move to the suburbs with Jim, have kids. That's bad. If that's what music is for you, a way to get to that place, then yeah, it's, it's, it's a little careerist. And it's a little square. And it's a little sad. I'm sad? You're the one who's not getting anywhere. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. This week, we are going to be covering the movie Inside Lewin Davis. Dean, how's it going? Good, Tim. I was kind of hoping you were going to sing that intro. Um, I had like a grand plan to play it on the guitar. Wow. And, and sing it and make something up. And it would be hilarious. And then I pulled out my guitar that I don't play that's out of tune. Yeah. And I tested it and I was like... Nobody wants to hear this. This is not going to work yet. Nobody. <laughs> this is not going to work. This is just terrible. This no, is, Tim. I'm not even good enough to do it badly enough to make it funny. For it to it be just funny. Gonna be, it was just going to be a train wreck. <laughs> so, but I, th- listeners, hey, listeners, thanks for joining. I thought about doing it. I wanted to bring it to y'all. Couldn't do it. I couldn't do yeah. it. I think I saved you, though. I saved you. I feel like I we, don't play guitar. I saved you. We do owe the listeners a train wreck, but we'll we'll have to figure it out in a different in a different way. Oh uh, well, yeah. We I mean we usually train train wreck in in other ways through the episode. So we'll, we'll don't find no, a way. don't worry. They'll get their train wreck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't cool. worry about that. Yeah, cool. Uh, what's your history with this movie? I love it. I love this movie. I didn't see it right when it came out. Um, I got recommended it by a bunch of people, maybe even you. Um, and so I eventually got around to it. Absolutely love it. Like, it's my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Um, I got that top 50 list. It's definitely on there. Nice. Yeah, I, I didn't see it in the theater either. Uh, it, again, it was recommended to me by somebody. Maybe you, Dean. I don't know. <laughs> Who recommended it to? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the real uh, question here. Yeah, but I mean, I watched it. I was blown away by this movie. I, yeah. I'm i a big Coen Brothers fan. I, I like their stuff. Same. I don't think this is my favorite from them, but I, I don't even think I can choose a favorite from them. Their, their yeah. movies are so different. And totally. this one especially is just so different from what they typically do. Uh, I'm also a big like oldies music, folk music lover, so... This soundtrack just smacked me across the face. Totally loved man. it. As soon as this movie was done, I was like, okay, here we go. Purchase uh, Lewin Davis soundtrack, uh, engage. Yeah, talk about rocking a soundtrack all week. I was rocking this hard oh, all week. I've, yeah, I've had this, yeah, I've had this soundtrack for many, many years. Bought it, same with you. Bought it immediately after watching the movie. I think, Tim, I think we've listened to some of this soundtrack just at your place before we started this podcast when we were just yeah. talking about stuff on your couch. I think we were listening to this. Yep, that would be true. Yeah. That would be true. 
It's so good. Some damn good music in this movie. It's it's so good. It's so good. I want to give a quick shout out to one of our listeners, Allison. She is a huge Oscar Isaac fan, huge fan of this movie. And um, I know uh, this was definitely what I wanted to do because I knew she'd uh, appreciate this one. So it took us a while to get to it. But this movie was released in 2013 with a budget of $11 million and it grosses $33 million. So that's good. That's good. That's yeah. money tripled. That's that's good. Does it deserve more? Of course. Yes. Of course. Do I understand why it didn't make more? Yes. Yeah, I do. I 100%. can see lots of people who just, this oh, wouldn't yeah. be their thing. This wouldn't be their cup of tea. And uh, for that reason, yeah, no. But uh, I loved it. I don't even, Tim, I don't even remember this movie coming out. Like you and me did not see this in theater. So I don't even really remember like previews about it or anything. I, I don't even, I didn't even know it ex- existed until people told me to see it. Yeah, I remember it coming out, but like, what can you do in a trailer to make yeah. this movie appealing, you know, for people to go to? That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem with this it, one. It yeah. probably looks pretty boring in in the trailer. Um, but you got to get in, you got to get into the seat, you got to sit through it, you got to experience it, you got to live it. Yeah. You got to like feel this, it. This type of you trailer hear it's going to, yes, yes, Tim. You got to yes. do this all t- those things. Yes. Yes. This type of trailer, how you appeal, how you make it appealing to people is it's got to be like an uplifting story. That's how you make it appealing, right. but that ain't what this, this thing is. is. So they're not going to twist it. Yeah. Now, as we mentioned, it was directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. And they're obviously a very famous directing duo. They are well known for movies like Miller's Crossing, Raising Arizona, Fargo, The Big Lebowski, No Country for Old Men, True Grit, among many others. Yeah, man. The music in this movie is based on the music of a folk singer from the 60s named Dave Van Ronk. Van Ronk was a well-known and liked folk singer in Greenwich Village in the 1960s. Now, Greenwich Village, like, in the 50s and 60s, became this world-famous, like, hotbed and hub for all types of musicians, artists, um, like, intellectuals, cool activists, um, Interesting. any type of performer... This was like the place to be, uh, almost to kind of like I don't want to say like the hippie, uh, like the hippie culture, but yeah. in a way, that's what it was. It was like you know, f- free kind of freedom from the man, yeah, yeah, that that was happening at that time. So, this was the hotbed for it. Cool. Um, now while the movie doesn't really follow this Van Ronk's life. Uh, there are Thank some stories. <laughs> Why? Do you know? Thank goodness for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are stories of his life that made it into the movie, though. Mm. So they do touch on they do touch on some of the things like he often played at the Gaslight, which cool. is in the movie. Um, and he even pressed an album, Dean, titled Inside Dave Van Ronk. Perfect, man. Wow. Yeah. And the cover That's is awesome. exactly the same as the Inside Lewin Davis in the, the record in the movie. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exact, that's cool. That's awesome. Time. Except, this is strange, except inside Dave Van Ronk has a cat in the doorway. Interesting. 
Yeah, which the Coen brothers didn't even notice. And they put the cat in for completely different reasons. But it's just That's a weird, funny. like, a weird That's twist. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Yeah. It's a universe uh, type thing right there. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to say inside Dave Van Ronk just doesn't quite have the same ring to it. It do- it really doesn't. It's something, <laughs> something, something wrong with those syllables. I think it's the ronk at the end. It's just a little <laughs> too harsh of an ending. <laughs> Yeah, nobody really, I don't think anybody wants to look inside of a ronk. <laughs> Whatever that may be. Yeah, it doesn't sound pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hear inside Dave Van Ronk? Mm. No, I think I'll I'm just good. pass. I'm good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually have to go now. I've got somewhere to be. Yeah, inside Lewin Davis, intriguing. That's intriguing. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Tell me that, more. Give I'm me a peek. Curious. Yeah, let me, yeah, let me hear a little bit of it and I'll see what I think. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Okay, great. Oh, great. Now, most of the songs in the movie are played and sung by the actors themselves, which is not only mind-blowing, but it is just adds this complete level of realism to the movie because they're doing it. They're just recording them doing it. Such a great idea. Yeah, the performances are so good. Like, you get full songs of, like, like Oscar Isaac singing a full song right at the beginning of the movie. Like, it's just so powerful. Yeah. And he, he'll perform like the same song different times through the movie. And yeah. he's got different arrangements for them too. Yeah, which is, cool. it's, it's amazing. He's not just doing the same song. Like if it was a movie, yeah. you get these movies like, um, oh, what's that movie? Uh, oh, the Tom Hanks movie um, with that band. That thing you do. That thing you do. Okay. They've got that song, that thing you do. And they perform the song. same one over and over. Great song. Hey, yeah. No, that's a great hey, song. Man. Great movie. <laughs> yeah. But they've got yeah. the song that they perform over and over again. They're just repeating that track for you. They're not right? they probably it. Re- yeah. They probably record the track one time. They play it for you yeah. over and over again. This one, he recorded the same song like three different times. And yeah. it's, it's incredible. It just makes it so believable. It's so good. I mean, like Oscar Isaac, get out. Get the hell out of here, man. How, like, how talented is this guy? Dude, get the hell out of here's right. He's one of these guys who's at the talent level where I just, I'm mad at him. Like for yeah. how good he is. Yeah. Like, cho- well, the, choose something. Do you want to be a folk singer or do you want to be an actor? Like, just choose one. Don't, don't, same with JT. Like, choose one, dude. Don't just rub do it on a face that you're great at both. Right. <laughs> yeah, Thank goodness they didn't it. have JT dancing in this movie. That just would have been <laughs> oh too goodness. much that's to watch. What they call a, that's what they call a triple threat there, Tim. That's a trifecta. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thank goodness he wasn't popping locking on the stage. <laughs> uh, excellent cinematography in this movie, just like all Coen Brother movies. Yeah, yeah. However, their normal guy was not available for this movie because he was shooting Skyfall. So they had to go with someone different and they went with a Bruno Del Bono who crushes it and mm-hmm. gets nominated for an Academy Award. Awesome. I will say... Skyfall also looks great. I don't think I saw Skyfall. I don't know. What? Probably Skyfall probably looks, looks great, though. so good. Yeah. Now, beyond the looks, how is it? Oh, great. It's fantastic. Mm. Okay. Oh, come on. Come Suspect. on. You don't like James Bond? Nah, not those new ones so much. Yeah, come on. I don't like just two hours of mindless action. As mm. as strange as that may seem, I don't I don't enjoy it. We're going to have to roll back the tape on some of these podcasts, Tim. I think you might like some mindless action. Yeah, but if it's an, if it's an hour and a half, a tight hour. <laughs> Actually, <half>. it's true. <laughs> That's very <Yeah>. true. 
How long is Skyfall? Oh man, it's like two twenty-five. Wow. You're gonna have to cut like two twenty-five. <laughs> You're gonna have to cut like an hour out of that thing for you to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I bet that's a real tight one and a half hour movie. I'll give it that yeah. without seeing it's it. It's a great. It's a great movie, man. All right. So Dean, the movie starts. We are at the Gaslight Cafe in 1961. We start, as you mentioned, with an absolutely stellar opening scene stellar. where Oscar Isaac, who is who is playing Lewin Davis in this movie, sings an entire folk song for us. Just yep. him up on stage. Hang me, oh, hang me I'll be dead and gone Hang me, oh, hang me I'll be dead and gone I wouldn't mind the hanging But the laying in the grave So long, poor boy Been all around Been all around Cape Jordan, parts of Arkansas. All around Cape Jordan, parts of Arkansas. You know what I'm thinking here, right? I'm thinking if I'm at that bar and I paid cover, I'm getting up, I'm going to the front, and I'm paying cover again. Yes. Because they deserve my money again for that performance. Yes. Tim, that is what it's you would so do. Great. And I would join you because we'd be there together. <laughs> we'd be having some beers and you would be like, uh, excuse me, I just need to go pay cover again. And I'll be right. like, right behind you, sir. Right. I'd, I'd wait till the song is finished, but then I'd go up and of pay course. again. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. His set ends. He goes to meet someone in the back alley and he gets beat up. He wakes up in the Gore Fines apartment and on the way out... The Gorfine's cat escapes, and the door locks behind him, so now he's responsible for this cat. That's bad luck. That is bad luck. This whole cat angle came into play when the Coens realized the movie didn't really have a plot, and they were worried about that, so they threw in the cat. Cool. So the cat is the plot. Yeah, the cat's the second lead. I think the cat is second build in this movie. (laughs) Spoiler alert, there's a few of them. (laughs) <laughs> true yeah there's a few cats i love it i'm, I'm a man and in a cat i, I love a cat guy you're a cat, I'm a cat guy. guy yeah i i'm not so much a cat guy but i will give you this that was a very handsome cat in this movie oh yeah very, very handsome, handsome. Cat. yeah yeah so the vibe that we're getting from this movie so far is that lewin is a struggling musician and even though he's crushing it musically in this time period in New York, folk singers are a dime a dozen. So he's mm-hmm. in the struggle. Yeah. Lewin goes to Gene Berkeley's apartment, played by Carrie Mulligan, to see if he can crash there with the cat. Yeah. And she seems very upset at Lewin. Yes, she's not like not very. like him. She's not like this man. Very. Very, very upset. upset. Very upset. Very upset. She passes him an upsetting note, Tim. Yes, a very upsetting. A very up- upsetting. A very. It says she's very pregnant. 
Yes. Just like in the middle of them yelling at each other, just passes him a note that says I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't he, isn't he like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. That's uh, back to like grade seven when you'd pass notes around. <laughs> Thank goodness I never got one like that. I never got one like this. I never got one like, thank goodness. (laughs) That would be too bad. We talked about this before. I was lucky if one ever came back to me. They just got (laughs) lost in the corner. (laughs) Um, So we head back to the Gaslight Cafe where this guy, Troy, who seemed kind of dorky at Gene's apartment when we met him, he's now up on stage crushing it as a folk singer himself yeah and jim berkeley shows up played by justin timberlake he's gene's husband now troy who's up on stage asks jim and gene if they'll join him on stage for a song and come on man come on this trio this song that they decide to crush out right here yeah man is just gorgeous the whole bar singing along with them. I'm singing along with them. Of course, of course. I want to be friends with all these characters. I also want to learn how to sing. Yeah. All these are all the feelings I'm having. We should start a band. No, we should not. We should start a band. You have a guitar. I've got a drum set back there. We should start a band. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe at Christmas time. Christmas okay. time, we often sing songs on uh, the podcast. Maybe we bring instruments this time. Yes, it could be our first performance. That could be the that could be the train wreck that you were mentioning excellent. at the top yes, of the excellent. episode. Tim, I think not it against important that. To- yeah. Yes. Yes. It, it, I think it's going to happen. I think it is. There's going to be some sort of instruments being played at Christmas this year, for sure. It feels like it. Um, I, Tim, I think it's important at this at this moment to point out that um, uh, Lewin Davis doesn't like um, what, what's that first singer's name? He doesn't like this guy. Troy. Troy. He doesn't like Troy. He doesn't think he's very good. We can tell on his face. And like when when um, Jim sits down beside him, he's like, what do you think of this guy? And Jim's just like, oh, he's great. And Lewin does not think so. And then when everyone in the bar is singing this song that the trio of them are, are singing, Lewin looks around like, what is going on here? So we already get sort of the vibe from him that 
Like, we already know he's very good, but we get the vibe from him that he thinks he's a bit better than everyone else here, too. Like, he, he's not really super sold on their success in this moment, I think. Sure. Uh, I also think that he thought that Troy was going to ask him to come up on stage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's and a little he was a bit, He's a bit jaded when he yeah. realized it wasn't him who's going up on stage. So. Yes, yes. Which is ridiculous. Why would he be asked to come on stage? He just met this guy. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> One of the great skills of the Coen brothers is creating these interesting characters. And at this point in the movie, like we're 10 or 15 minutes in, they already have me fully invested in all of these characters. It doesn't even oh, yeah. matter who we're meeting. I'm yeah. just so on board with it. Like I genuinely care for them. It's just, it's yeah. a really like great skill that those guys have. Yes. They are very good writers and it's, it's a little bit of, uh, it's a little different than, you know, what we're used to. And it sometimes feels like it's a little, um, like the humor is a little weird, but like, it's really, really funny and really good. And it, it allows us to connect with the characters. And then they all also just get like these actors that just knock it out of the park. Like everyone is just killing their role right now. The lines are so funny. The lines are so good. And we just know everyone already, even though we're 15 minutes into the movie, we're connecting with everyone. Yeah. I, I find the lines are often blurred with their characters where, yes, you could define this character is good and this character is bad, or you're supposed to like this one, you're not supposed to like this other one. But then I always find myself crossing the lines with both. Like the guy that I'm supposed to like and I do like, I kind of start to not like sometimes. And the guys yep. who are supposed to be the bad guys, you're supposed to not like, uh, I also find myself gravitating towards because they're such interesting characters as well. So it's this really interesting dynamic going on in their movies. It's It's lovely lovely work they do yeah and that's what this movie is like for me that's why i love this movie so much because that is exactly what it is with lewin i shouldn't like him and i do like i i, I don't like him and i do at the same time it's like this weird thing that's going on they've they've yeah just hit this weird middle ground where i do not like what he's doing but i also really like him sure yeah like he's a bit of an asshole but totally. he's definitely conflicted in the movie, right? Like you, yeah. you realize the struggle he's going through and the hardships he's trying to go through. Uh, underneath all that is this like really excellent performer who, if he was able to wash this other stuff away, would probably be a really, really cool, sweet dude. But like life's getting in the way. So yeah. it's like it's totally. very relatable, very relatable movie. And that's that's the thing. It is very, very relatable. So Lewin wakes up on Gene's floor, and this is the second night, and he's been sleeping at two different locations. So right. that seems to be a bit of a trend for him. Yeah. He doesn't have a place to stay, really. No, finds and, a couch to crash on, basically. Yeah. And unfortunately, he loses the Gorefine's cat here as it jumps out the window. He's just got it open like a halfway, halfway to have a cigarette, and the cat jumps yeah. out and takes off. Yeah, which is, it, it is just like a very interesting moment because he's opening up the window so that he will smoke outside, which is a nice thing to do when you're in someone right. else's place. And then the cat runs out. It's like, that's what this movie's doing. It's just hitting me with like, oh, he's doing a nice thing. But then, ah, oh, something shitty happens. Yep, definitely. Now, we learn here why Jean is so pissed off at Lewin. And it's because she thinks Lewin took advantage of her. 
And now that she's pregnant, like she wants it to be JT's kid. So there's a chance it's JT's kid. It's a chance it's Lewin's kid, but she can't take the risk of having the baby and having it come out looking like Lewin. So she just decides she has to get the abortion. So that's why she's so mad at him. Yeah, and she rips him to shreds in this scene. She absolutely lights him up as they're talking about it. It is an excellent scene. It is so funny. Carrie Mulligan is just incredible in this scene with her anger and the hilarity with the insults she's hurling his way. I'm just laughing. I feel bad for Lewin and I'm laughing because it's so funny. She is just burning the hell out of him. Cuts deep, man. Like cutting right to the core. I would have been crying if I was Lewin. I don't know how he was. Oh, for sure. He, He took it well. For sure. So people in the movie seem to think that Lewin's music career is going really well, but that's not the case at all. Uh, Obviously, he's always trying to borrow money. He can't even afford a winter jacket. He has no place to stay. And at this point, Mr. Gorfine is interested in getting his cat back. They were were away and they're back and they want their cat. He's talking to Lewin over the phone. And I would recognize Mr. Gorefine's voice anywhere because he's played by Ethan Phillips, or as I know him, Neelix on Star Trek Voyager. Oh, nice, Tim. So I had forgotten he was in the movie. I heard him on the phone. I'm like, oh, dude, that is Neelix. That's awesome. That's amazing. I also feel like Ethan Phillips here is playing himself. Like he is genuinely that nice of a character. I just think he's being himself. Yeah, he is the nicest character in this movie. So great. I know, man. And I that's him. That's him. I've yeah. seen him in a bunch of I wish of I knew the Gorefines. I know, right? They're so I wish delightful. I hung out with the Gorefines. Yeah. Yeah, they're delightful. During this call, Mr. Gorefine lets Lewin know that somebody at Columbia Records wanted to know if Lewin would be able to make it that afternoon for a session. So this is a huge deal for Lewin. This is good oh, news. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Great. So he rushes over there. When he gets there, JT is already there. And so is Al Cody, played by Adam Driver. Now, I also forgot Adam Driver was in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. And I, it's, it's hilarious. It's a really great scene where, where JT is trying to teach them this terrible song. That's terribly catchy. Yeah. And Adam Driver is hilarious here. He's like, just there for like weird sound effects that's his contribution to the song oh my goodness i don't want it don't send me off into outer space i sweat when they put me yeah but we want to go to the let's do the papa please into the into the verse really yeah don't send off into outer space it gets all muddled up into the verse no 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 you just do the papas into the verse if you do two papas papa yeah sweat yep I love watching scenes like this where you have these super, super talented actors but they're in a role where they're just having fun. Like they're just expected yeah. to just, okay, just be fun, be silly. Um, 
I really appreciate seeing that kind of stuff. I just think it would have been so much fun to be on set for not only this movie, but this scene in particular just would have been so much fun. Yeah, totally. And this is like before Driver's kind of a superstar because it's before um, Star Wars. And he is so good. Like he has just quickly become one of my favorite actors. And so, yeah, throwing this on, seeing him in this little tiny role, but just crushing it, just having so much fun doing the great voice. I mean, maybe the most quotable line in the movie, him saying outer space, like just (laughs) the best the best these you get you get like uh oscar isaac and uh and adam driver talking about not wanting to go to space and then they're in star wars in a couple years it's fantastic um i love this part i love how much lewin hates this song but it's catchy like it's it's what the people are gonna like i i like it i have the soundtrack i listen to it often (laughs) i like the song but He just hates it so much. He hates that he has to do it, but he's going to do it because he needs the paycheck. I think it's a a very interesting scene. I think it's really good. Yeah, he's trying to make fun of it. And he's like, you know, who wrote this song? And JT's (laughs) like, well, I did. You know, it's a super great, super awkward moment where he, yeah, he's like, thanks for the, like, thanks for the gig and all, but like, who wrote this thing? (laughs) JT, uh, me, I wrote it. (laughs) Yeah. He like, he doesn't understand that you can make stuff for like you can make stuff that's catchy like that too. And that's good as well. Like it doesn't have to be always just such soulful stuff. That's good music. Like other people will like this music and that's what's going to sell. Yeah. And I think they're touching on early in the movie here, the difference between like being kind of true to yourself and your music Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then making a living out of your music. Right. Yeah. And I know Gene has a conversation with Lewin about it. Um, at some point. And this is another part here where like JT, he's just making this because it's going to make money. Right. Where Lewin is more of like, I, I just want to play this heartfelt stuff. That's pure to me. And that's why I want to be successful. That's why I want people to like me is for my music. Um, I don't want to use the word like sellout cause JT is not selling out with that song, but that's the idea. Right? That's the he's vibe. Not, he's yeah. not making yeah. it. He's not making that song because he's like, he thinks it's a great folk song. He's making it because yeah. it's going to make a bunch of money. And Lewin doesn't really want to take that route with his music. So yeah, it's kind of that- it's kind of an interesting. Um, it, it's interesting to compare like Lewin wants to sing songs that are like meaningful and that are for him, but he wants to make money off that. But really, JT knows that you have to make songs for the people that they're going to want if you want to get money for it. You know, it's this struggle always about like, I want to do exactly what feels good for me. I want to do the music I want to do. But if that's not what people want to hear, then you're not going to get money out of it. Like it, it's just, yeah, it's an interesting struggle in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they do a great job of playing oh, yeah. with that throughout the movie really Definitely. subtly. Yeah. Because at this point in the movie, you don't really know that yet, but after seeing the movie and, and rewatching it, that is definitely, you know, a, a major theme going through this movie at very, you know, very specific points where they kind of bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. The movie like looks upon this, like sticking to your art in like a very honorable way and a very cynical way, like it yes. both at the same time. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Lewin gets paid for recording on that song but he needs the money right away. So he waives his rights to be on the session sheets and won't be able to claim any royalties off of that song. 
and that's a bad call. He made a bad bad call. call. But he needs the money. He needs it for the abortion. So what can you do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, he needs the money in that moment. So he actually doesn't have a choice in that moment. But it's a it's a bad call. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And we also learn here that Lewin used to be in a duo called Timlin and Davis. Right. Yeah. Which is uh, this is a big thing for the movie as well. That he that he it used is, to yeah. be yeah in a duo and now he's in a solo act and people yeah. talk about this Mike his his partner people talk about him a lot. Yes, he may have been the better of the duo. Is kind of the vibe I'm getting. The better and like the maybe the nicer even like everybody loves him. Everyone just misses Mike. Yeah, yeah. Now Lewin is crashing at Adam Driver's apartment now. Because they just <laughs> met. So that yeah, works. And he needs a couch. He just asked him if he had a couch. He just he asked Adam Driver if he had a couch. And Adam Driver's like, I hope you don't need to stay more than a few days. <laughs> yeah. What a nice guy. Oh, yeah. Totally. He's offering up multiple days already. Yeah. Right off the bat. Uh, I like how Lewin goes into the apartment and he tests out the couch to see what kind of a sleep he's going to get. <laughs> Because yes. the night before he was on a on the floor, the night before that he was in a bed, but he tests it out. He's like, hmm, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you know what? He kind of likes it. I get the he feeling like, like he thinks he's going to have a good sleep that night. I think he gives a slight nod of approval and he's like, yeah, this is going to be okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be good. <laughs> Feel good about this new couch I've never been on. Very subtle humor. I really like that. Yeah. yeah. Totally something you don't need to include. Maybe goes over a lot of people's heads, but I think is very, very humorous. Oh, yeah. And holy crap. He is lucky enough here to find the Gorefine's cat. So again, yes. maybe things are looking up for him. Yes. Maybe this is the corner he needs to turn. I mean, it's pretty lucky to find the cat that just ran away. So yeah, he's. I think he's feeling pretty good. Pretty good in that moment. He at least gets a small win. He got a small win. Exactly. Now, Lewin has the money he needs to pay for the abortion. And he goes to see the doctor to set up an appointment and pay the bill. But the doctor tells him there's no charge because of last time. And Lewin doesn't understand what that means. And it turns out his ex was supposed mm-hmm. to get an abortion, but didn't. Oh my god! So this one is free of charge. Yes. And now it sounds like Lewin is the father of a two-year-old. Yes. So Tim. things are not going so well anymore no it's great to be a father of a two-year-old if you're a part of that child's life and in fact know about him this is the shits though (laughs) this is the shits yeah it's, it's great if you could know about a kid that you've had for two years um this is the point like for me this part in the movie we opened up on um lewin playing playing that song and then he goes out into the alley and he gets beat up a bit and at this point in the movie i'm like okay so the movie is the one beating him up. The movie is punching him in the face. And right now he's lying on the ground and we just kicked him in the stomach. His ex-girlfriend who he thought got an abortion didn't. And he has a kid. He's a father. We just kicked him in the stomach. And it's kind of kicking me in the stomach. I'm feeling it with him. Definitely. I'm definitely feeling it. But what is very, very interesting is I don't know if he's feeling it. Yeah. Because he, he just takes all these things in stride. I don't know if it's because his life has been so terrible that he's just used to all this stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. all we really get here is a one-week snapshot 
of this character in a time and a place. I don't know what he like what's gone on in his life before this yeah. or what he's used to, but I get the vibe like he's just used to all this. Like this is nothing none of this is new for him. His life has been such shit up to this point that this is just another thing. And it's really sad. Yeah. Like it's it's it makes him this really tragic character that something like this wouldn't really affect him. You know, Gene yeah. just lighting lighting him up, telling him how terrible he is doesn't seem to affect him. Anything bad that happens to him in this movie doesn't really seem to affect him because I don't know, maybe he has to be this rock uh, for this type of industry. He just, he can't, he can't let anything stop him. Like if he wants to succeed or maybe he's just a broken dude at this point, but either way, I kind of feel bad for the guy that he just isn't like, he has no emotional release, you know, in a, in a, in a movie very similar to this, he could have been crying multiple times in this movie and letting out yeah. his um his pain and suffering but that he they don't do that in this movie which is totally fine definitely a different type of character but it's very interesting that this guy has no outlet for his emotions but he does i think he does i think it's his music yeah, right exactly yeah it's it's a very cool choice in the movie that he always keeps going he never gets beaten down he always just presses on to the next thing and the next thing's going to punch him in the face again and he's going to keep going he's going to get up again and keep like keep on and i think it's it's cool that his opening song um that opens up the movie lyrics in that song are that he like it's it's about it starts out with saying like hang me oh hang me and he says he wouldn't mind the hanging it's the laying in the ground that he wouldn't like so it's yeah. already like the beating up is fine i can take the beating up but just don't stop me from going like i need to keep moving i need to keep going yeah and i mean he is at that point like if he decides yeah. to stop he is going to most likely die like yeah. if if you have to sleep on the street if you become homeless you know, there's not a lot of options for you there. So he's he's at the point where he has to take his licks. He has to and has to keep going. Yeah, that's it's definitely another positive of this movie is that they really show you the struggle of like being homeless. Like he has a lot of friends, so he has a lot of coaches to sleep on. But that struggle is is real. Yeah, but he doesn't even have a lot of friends. He has people who are willing to let him sleep on their couch, right? Yeah. Like. I don't. I don't consider true. I don't know I can, if he really has friends. Yeah. The the Gorfines are his friends. I think they're they're the only yeah. ones. But yeah, good point. So Lewin goes to the Gorfines to drop off the cat. The Gorfines invite Lewin in, and I really like their relationship, like their their whole relationship that they have, because they seem to be absolutely enamored by him. Uh, they think he's a superstar, like in totally. their eyes. Yeah. That's what he is. And I think that's probably one of the reasons he's friends with them is for the ego stroke because he needs it. You know, he needs somebody yeah. just loving uh, loving his music, doting on what he does. And as I'm sure it goes, every time he visits them, they eventually ask him to play a song. Of course, of course. Yeah, they love his music. Of course they're going to ask him to play. They love his yeah. music. They love him. Now, he doesn't want to do it, but Mrs. Gorfine says, is a quote, I thought singing was a joyous expression of the soul. Which I think is such a great line here because that's not the place where Lewin is at emotionally right now in the movie. Right. But that's probably the place he started. Uh, But now he's living the grind. Uh, His music is a job. It's not going very well. He's down in the dumps. But the place he came from 
the place he, I think he gets to when he's singing and performing is a joyous expression of his soul. So yeah. I really, I really liked her saying that to him and it gets him to play. It gets him to play for them. Totally. Now, again, here to, to reiterate that he's not in a joyous place. Mm-hmm. He completely loses it on Mrs. Gorfine here when she starts singing along with him. Yes. And I think he gets, he starts to lose it because she is singing Mike's part to that song. And as we mentioned before, we think Mike might be the more talented because everyone always mentions Mike. And every time he does a song, they're like, oh, you and Mike used to do that one. Right. And so her chiming in with Mike's part make, I think makes him feel like Mike's parts needed in this song and him alone isn't just good enough. And that's why I think he loses it on her. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know why. I I didn't consider that side of it, but that's that's an interesting side. Hmm. Um I like I know he was drinking. He was drinking that night, yeah. so I think that had a yeah. little bit to do with it. I also wondered if um like not not to spoil anything, but I wondered if what we, you know, learn about Mike may have mm-hmm. been what caused his emotion, but I, 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 I kind of agree. And I like your, your take on it that he's just, again, yeah. it's, you know, someone else singing the part of the guy who may have been better. Uh, and yeah. he did, he, again, maybe just felt that maybe it's like a personal attack. So yeah. Mrs. Gorfine is like terrified and just yeah <laughs> emotionally, you know, under attack from Lewin and she just runs out of the room. She's slams the door. She's like feeling obviously super sad. Like they look up to him so much. They love him so much to have him just like cussing her out and telling her not to do that. Um, And then she comes out of the room and she tells him that he, the the cat he brought isn't even their cat. (laughs) Dean, the one he brought doesn't even have a scrotum. Where is it scrotum, where, Tim? Where is it scrotum? Where is it scrotum? What happened to the scrotum? Oh, it's man. Gone. It's missing. So funny. <laughs> he, he, he just grabbed, grabbed a cat orange the cat and brought that cat home. In his defense, uh, those cats looked identical, except, I guess, for the missing scrotum. Yeah, I wonder if they were the same cat. They looked identical. No, I heard they had had a whole bunch of cats in this movie. Oh, actually, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes. It was more actually sense. quite a, quite an interesting thing. Actually, uh, the Coens absolutely hate working with cats more than any other animal. They said, they said okay. they worked with a buzzard, and they preferred that over a cat because the cat just That's does funny. whatever they want. So they got a bunch. You can't of, train a cat. No, they got a bunch of cats in. They paid attention to the attitudes of the different cats, and then assigned cool. them scenes based upon their attitude. <laughs> Like, would the cat would the cat jump out a window? Yes, he's in that scene. Would the cat sit there and stare at you? Yes, he's in that scene. So oh, that was really nineteen cats, I think I heard. I love it. Nineteen cats, wonderful. So Lewin and his female cat are now heading to Chicago. They catch a ride with a couple of guys. One of them being Roland Turner, played by John Goodman, and the other being his driver Johnny Five, played by Garrett Headland. Johnny Five? We were just talking about this. <laughs> when we this were. Came up in Johnny the movie, Five is alive. I just started laughing when this came up in the movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this Johnny Five might not be alive. This Johnny Five is maybe not best friend material. 
No, <laughs> this Johnny Five is not best friend material. This guy's hilarious. These <laughs> Why is two he called Johnny Five? I have no clue. I have no clue. <laughs> if there's anything I want to know, anything, any clarification I want out of this movie from the Coen brothers, it's why is this guy called Johnny Five? Johnny Five. I need to this know. This is my driver, Johnny Five. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's really good. It's so good. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. I definitely would not have made it very far with John Goodman's annoying as hell character in this movie and on this ride. It is unbelievable, this guy. Like, he is so unbearable and and at the same time so funny because I can't even imagine this person would exist. It's I, so yeah. wild that he's in this movie. Like, it, this part of the movie feels like a nightmare. Like, I don't even know what's going on. He just Ooh. gets in a car with these strangers. I like wild. what you just said. I like what you just okay. said. Nightmare. I like that. Keep that in mind. Okay, but got it. I, I agree with you. Um, this guy, I'm expecting him to play such a big part in the movie because of how (laughs) big his character is, but he doesn't. He's just this. This is just what he is. This super annoying asshole who is in the movie for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, um, in this like joint carpool where Lewin's just trying to get to Chicago for as cheap as he can. Yeah. And is he, is he like a jazz musician or something? Like, I feel like. Um, he's, I don't know. I think maybe, I, I, maybe he had something to do with that. I think he said that he was, here's the thing. He was mumbling a whole lot of stuff and I couldn't understand a lot of it. And I don't know how much of it was just like, he was wasted talk or like he always seems like he's, he's drunk or something. We later, later we see that he gets like all messed up on heroin. So he's, he's a, he's a druggie. I think it's for his pain. He he seems like he's not in the best place, but right, yeah. um, I don't know if he's making stuff up or if anything's real, but yeah, he makes some comments about jazz music and I don't yeah, know what right. he's saying. I'm trying not to listen to him when he's talking. I'm just like, mm. yeah, he's always tapping Lewin on the shoulder with his cane and being like, oh, you'll, you'll like this. You'll like this. And he just starts telling a story and it's just like, no, why would I like that? Why would I like your story? <laughs> yeah. He's calling him the wrong name. I think he calls him Ewan. He's calling him Ewan. Yeah, he's what's calling him a lot of different. He's like yeah. Lewin Davis. Okay, you got it. Yeah, yeah. What's some... that you brought with you, Ewan? What's that you got there? <laughs> Your guitar? You brought a guitar, Ewan? I like how scared he gets of the cat. He's like, <laughs> "What the hell is that?" It's like it's a cat. <laughs> is that part of your Man. act? I feel like there's a movie about that guy. <laughs> no kidding. I like that he thinks his name is Lou N. Davis, like the That's N right, is a too. middle initial. Yeah. What's the What's the N stand for? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Lou N Davis. <laughs> yeah. So he messes that up, and then he calls him Ewan as well. He's just, yeah. This guy's all horrible. over the place. It's It's wild. This guy's character is wild. Yeah, man. he is wild. Like great job, John Goodman. John Goodman always mm-hmm. just brings it for the Coen Brothers. In he brings movies. it, man. He just brings yeah. it. Love that guy. He's incredible. Great, great oh, actor. Yeah. Underappreciated yeah. actor. For sure. And I can never remember if he's alive or dead because they killed him in Roseanne. And I don't know if that was real life or just in the, in the, on the show. I can never remember. No, he's alive. He's alive. I know. Yeah. He's, he's alive. But I, I often forget. I'm like, oh no, he's dead. Right. Then I'm like, oh no, that was just the show. They killed him in the show. Right. (laughs) Yes. Now we learn here as well that Timlin of Timlin and Davis killed himself. 
And that's obviously some big baggage that Lewin is carrying around. Yeah. Now things get a bit bumpy on the road and Johnny Five gets arrested. In a really weird scene, I want to go back to what your previous comment was about a nightmare. Okay. A yeah. really a really weird scene they made look like a dream, like a dream yeah. sequence. And I also in this movie I noticed a lot of waking up scenes. And For when sure, I yeah. see a lot of waking up scenes in movies, I always think it's a really interesting dynamic because I wonder if the character at any point is actually waking up from a dream. If any yeah. of the stuff that's happening is is a dream. So I just thought that was very interesting that you mentioned this car ride yeah. is a nightmare and they make it very dreamlike here. I do like that a lot because like this section doesn't fit. Like it's so weird. It's just it's such so these weird. characters are not from this movie. Like everyone else we've met is a regular person. <laughs> like these people are not regular people. So it, yeah, it, it is, it, it kind of feels definitely like a nightmare. So I like that sort of idea of like, I kind of want to watch it back and see like where any sort of cut to being a dream could be, be fit in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So after Johnny five is arrested, Lewin bails on John Goodman and the cat. Ugh. And hitchhikes the rest of the way to Chicago. He didn't save the cat, Tim. He, he left the cat. He left the cat. He did what I would do. He left the cat oh, no. with John Goodman. No. Oh, no. That's that's the irredeemable, the number one irredeemable thing he did in this movie is leave the cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, you it's gotta do what you gotta do, painful. dude. You gotta do Ugh. it. Come you on, could see, though, he hesitated. You could see he he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to close the door on that cat. That's right. He ha- had no yeah. hesitation about John Goodman's character, but he was hesitating <laughs> about the cat. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So he hitchhikes the rest of the way to Chicago. He's there to find Bud Grossman, a big time producer that he sent a record to, but never heard back from. But Troy had heard back from and had been in communication yeah. with. So he gets to Chicago. He's got nowhere to stay. He still doesn't have a winter jacket. He doesn't know anybody. And he's gone all that way just to talk to Bud. Now he finds Bud. And Bud says he never got the record. And it sounds like Bud doesn't really like the person representing Lewin. Yeah. Because he. it sounds like he isn't really surprised that Lewin isn't doing very much with his career here. Kind of, yeah. kind of like throws it on management at this point. Mm-hmm. So Bud offers to listen to Lewin play, mm-hmm. and I turn my TV up. Yeah, we're both we're both probably like Bud Grossman. You are in for a treat. Oh, I was. Yeah, I was like, look out, Bud. Yeah, yeah. Get, look out, Bud. You don't even know what's coming. Yeah, you don't. You don't know, Bud. You don't even know. Buckle up. Lewin plays the death of Queen Jane, and. Great scene. Another full song. Lewin oh, yeah. just rocking a whole song. Shall lose the branch too. 
It seems to blow Bud's mind. Like you can slowly see it happening. You can slowly see his brain explode Mm -hmm. in joy. I saw it. I saw it too. But then at the end of it, Bud says he doesn't see a lot of money here. Which I was very surprised to hear that. Uh, Totally. Not not the way I thought the movie was going to go right there. No. He offers Lewin a team up with another duo. And Lewin turns it down. He says he already had a partner. Bud tells him to team back up with that partner. Lewin thanks him for the advice and heads back to New York. So just more Dude. like, oh, we just learned that Tim Lynn killed himself. And now, yeah. oh man, this just, just keeps going, right? Like this, this guy says, go back with your partner, right? Like, yeah, everybody, see, this guy hasn't even heard his partner, but seems to think his partner was the better part of the duo. You know? Yeah. He's yeah. He, well, he says, um, he says, Oh, I got a trio. Let's see if, uh, let's see if you'll fit in with them. And he's just like, no, no, I already had a partner. And Bud Grossman says, well, that makes sense. Like already he's just like, yeah, well, you would be good with someone else that would fit. And Lewin makes another bad call by just, he's, he is offered a job. He isn't offered exactly what he went there for, but he's offered a job by this guy to join a trio. He should definitely take it. He doesn't have a, like, he doesn't even have a home. Like he can't get money from any way. He needs to take this job here. Yeah, he should. Uh, now almost everybody in this movie, like almost all of the musicians were based on real people, like real musicians of the time. And nice. this trio that he was being invited to uh, actually turned out to be Peter, Paul, and Mary, which is a very oh. popular folk group from the 60s. Yeah. This, Tim, this scene is so heartbreaking because like, we see him deliver this amazing song. We feel like it blows Bud Grossman's mind and immediately the first thing out of his mouth is a shutdown. So I'm thinking a little bit at this point, like people are having trouble connecting to Lewin. We know he's awesome, but for some reason, this guy's right in front of his face and he can't connect to the music. And the people that have been taking off and have been sort of connecting, um, they seem like, you know, like they're ni- really, really nice people. They're nice to others. And that's maybe how they're connecting. And Lewin just isn't quite nice to others. He kind of speaks his mind. And Okay. So this is interesting because I think this movie leaves it open for you to have different takes on what's happening. So I agree. Yeah. I I think one take is definitely that Bud Grossman's mind was not blown and he didn't connect with him. I also think there's the other side of it is that he did blow Bud Grossman's mind. He did connect with his music, but Mm. there's no money in the character of Lewin Davis being a folk singer as good as his music is. It's him. It's, it's, it's Lewin himself, the way he, maybe the way he looks, maybe the way he carries himself. That's what's not going to sell. So I think they do play with that and you're allowed to kind of decide in different situations what that is. Yeah, because he says, he mentions that that's interesting because like, he is arrogant and he had already talked to him before and he's kind of like, hey, I'm Lewin Davis. Like, do you know me? Like right away, just kind of assuming Bud Grossman would know right. him. So maybe he got that vibe from him. That's why he's not seeing money there. And then he brought up Troy and Bud was just like, what a nice boy Troy is. Like, that's the first thing there he you said. Go. He didn't say how talented he is. He's like, what a nice boy he is. 
Now, another beautifully weird scene here where Lewin is driving back to New York in a car and he's falling asleep. We see his eyes closing. He's going to fall asleep on the road. And in another almost dreamlike sequence, he Mm -hmm. hits something. There's this beautiful opera music playing in the background, which is very strange, very atmospheric. And Mm -hmm. I just... I feel like this is the classic weird Coen Brothers scene where you have no idea what's going on. You don't even know why it's in the movie. You're super engaged with it. You're on the edge of your seat. Like anything could happen. Anything could happen in that scene. And I wouldn't be surprised. And what ends up happening is nothing. Nothing. It's just, it's just tense. It's just a tense scene. Yeah. He may have hit the cat that he left behind because he hit, he hit an animal and I mean, then that, he that got wouldn't out make of his any car. sense, though. How would he? How would no. he leave a cat and then? I I know, but miles down the road, have... hit it. No, he's driving back. This is his driving back right now. He left the cat driving there. Oh, I see. He is True. now driving back to New York. True. That's and so a good point. I think, I think it is supposed to be sort of this dreamlike thing where it might be sort of related. I feel like the cat and him are kind of related. Um, I don't really, I haven't really worked out how, but I feel like they might be kind of related. So him hitting the cat, it might be just like looking at, at that cat, like sort of limping off into the woods. He's probably been hurt also by what uh, Grossman had to say. And so he's limping right now too. He's not, he's been hit hard. I like that. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. There could, there could be some underlying symbolism there that, uh, yeah. that I didn't pick up on. Yeah. Good point. Because there's also, I just will say why I clued into sort of maybe trying to make some connections with him and the cat. Because the very first time he calls, uh, he calls to like say that he has the cat and he wants to leave a message. He said, tell them Lewin has the cat. And whoever's on the other line says, Lewin is the cat. Okay. And he says, no, no, no. Lewin has the cat, not Lewin is the cat. So right away I was like, oh, okay. Is there supposed to be some sort of connection between him and the cat? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever reason that that scene happened for the outcome of it is that the audience gets a very, very emotional reaction to that scene. Like there is, there is music, a certain type of music that's playing that just kind of like strikes a chord with you. Um, It's like, I mean, it reminded me of like an Italian mobster movie where, Mm -hmm. when someone's going to get whacked and there's this opera music playing, right? Like I felt like someone was going to get killed there. And it's then, then the visuals, the cinematography, it's very dark. It's very gloomy. It could be a dream. And yeah, you see something kind of get hit. You can't really tell what it is. You can't even tell if it's yeah. a cat. They don't make it obvious that you it's can't really a cat. tell it's a cat. No. And no. it's raining and it's just, yeah, it's just there. It's this, this very interesting point in the movie where they just want you to feel something. They want you to yeah. feel whatever they're trying to get across. It's, it's, very, very well done. Very good. And these these types of scenes happen in all of the Coen Brothers movies. So yeah. there's some sort of some sort of reason for them doing this, which is beyond me because I'm not a yeah. awesome like uh, movie director. But that is something they put in their movies that they know does something to the audience, and uh, yeah. it for surely does. I just don't know what it is. You're right. It's a huge moment. And what he does is get out of the car and then get back in the car and keep driving. Like nothing actually happens, but it's this big moment they're trying to sell to us. Um, and it, it, you definitely feel it. You feel that something big's happening in this moment to Lewin, at least inside Lewin. Yeah. Oh, inside of Lewin Davis, do you mean? That's that's what I was getting at. <laughs> that's what I was getting at, Tim. Uh, love it. 
So Lewin has decided to try and get a normal job now. He's giving up on music. His sister kind of talked him into just like, hey, look, look, dude, you need to just get a job. This is not working. You live on the street, basically. Yeah. So he's going to get a job with the Merchant Marines. But even that is going to cost him money because he owes for like years of back union dues. So after spending most of his remaining money on the dues, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lewin goes to visit his sick father in the home. His father's unable to speak. Yeah. And Lewin plays a beautiful song for him here. Now you're up on deck. You're a fisherman. You can swear and show a manly bearing. Take your turn dad shits his pants yeah now i think this is again there's a couple ways to look at this scene Mm -hmm. and i'm curious to see which way you looked at it i think we probably looked at it the same way but but let's see i think you can look at this as his father was so moved in this scene by his music that he shit himself like that's kind of the way that i took it i took it like Again, kind of like Bud Grossman, like the look on his father's face. It's almost like he just, he goes from this place of anger or um, confusion to this place of utter joy. And the song that he's singing really kind of represents the life his father had because his father was like a fisherman or something like that. And that's what the song is about. I took it like his father just relaxed in the moment so much that that just happened. But... The other way to look at it is that just like everybody else in this movie, his father is literally shitting on Lewin's music career. Uh, Yeah, so I like your first one. I never actually thought of it like that because it does, you get this look on his face that he really is into the music. And then you realize, well, what I thought is we realize he's not even really paying attention. You know, he's not even really listening. I guess that's another one is he's not even there. He's not even there for yeah. it. He's not even present for it. But so so the first time you, you saw it, you thought that he just wasn't present to it? I thought he wasn't present for it. And I thought it's again, Lewin just playing this incredible, amazing, emotional song. And there's nobody to appreciate it. Um, and that it's another audience member that he's just not connecting with, who's right in front of his face, who is just not connecting with it. That's the way I took it. Um but because they are selling his face to us, like the, when they go, when they put the camera on the father's face, it's like he really is in that moment. You feel like he's looking out the window. He's gazing out the window. It looks like he's thinking about his life. Um, but we don't really know much about his father. So we don't really know much about what was going on in that moment. So I like that it is, there are different ways that you can take it. And I, I like what you've brought to the table. 
I think for me, whatever we decide happened with Bud Grossman, I think is paralleled with his father because I'm I'm being that, sold. That's good. Yeah. I'm being sold by the facial on both of them. Oh, that's not a mm-hmm. bad. But I'm being sold by the reaction. And right, yeah. If Bud Grossman is being moved by Lewin's music, then I believe his father yeah. is as well. So if Bud Grossman isn't being moved, if Bud Grossman is just like, oh, I'm expecting great things, and maybe his change in facial is sadness, or like maybe this could be like a moneymaker, but it's not. Maybe his maybe his mood is disappointment. Maybe it's not joy. Right. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe his father's is disappointment too. Whichever one you go with, I think they have to be the same because it, it, they're, like they're doing yeah. the same type of thing. I like that. Yeah, I was always just uh, honestly, I was always just thinking that they were just kind of tricking us with the camera, just like putting it on someone's face and having someone appear to be into it, but not into it. Um, I always thought it was that, but I, I like, you know, thinking back to it when we talked about it, I was like, I, I do actually believe that Grossman's mind was blown because that's the way he looks. So I like the parallel. I think the same thing has to be happening. I'm with you. I think the same thing has to be happening here. Yeah, and I'll just go with my initial yeah. reaction from the very first yeah. time I saw it. I always thought Bud Grossman was being blown away, and I I thought yeah. his father was being blown away as well. Cool. I like it. So Lewin is at the gaslight, where he learns that the manager of the club also slept with Gene. And come on, man. Come on. Come on. Come on, Gene. I'm gonna say come, come on, on Gene. Gene. Gene was giving him such a hard time. She ripped him. Yes. So hard. And it could not have, it maybe wasn't even him that got her pregnant. We don't know the timeline. We don't know when we don't. this manager slept with her, but I agree. It could have been the manager as well. Yeah. I know one thing. So I was trying to figure this out. I was trying to figure out this manager when he slept with, with her. One thing at the beginning, at the beginning, when they're at the gaslight, that manager says he wants to sleep with Jean. And yeah. then by the end, he has slept with her. So I guess that is after she has told Lewin that she's pregnant. Yeah, and I I, I, I picked up on that as well. I didn't know if maybe he just felt more comfortable with Lewin by the end. And maybe. just yeah. let, okay. let him yeah. know that he had slept with her. Uh, so it's, it is, it's a bit of a gray area. That's true. I don't, I don't know There's what really happened no way to know. Yeah. We don't know, yeah. but. I mean, this movie, this movie is like a snapshot of basically like a week. And we don't get anything before and we don't get anything after. So there's all this, there's just all this open-ended stuff that we just is up in the air and we can kind of think of it however we want. Yeah. So Lewin, you know, hears that news that the manager slept with Jean, gets a little bit too drunk at the club and then heckles a lady during her set that night. Now, the next night, Lewin is back for his own set that Jean generously got him. I thought was very nice of her to do. It is nice, yeah. Now, it seems in this performance for me that Lewin just let go. He Mm -hmm. just forgot about his life outside of music. He just poured his soul into this performance and it was incredible. If I had wings like Nora's dove, I'd fly up the river to the one I love. Fare thee well, oh honey, fare thee well, 
Manager tell- Fairly well, his sorry, I was just gonna say his performance of Fairly Well is absolutely amazing. Like I watch that over and over on YouTube. He is so into it. He's absolutely so into that. And he sang it a couple times in this movie already, and he's never been that into it. After his set, the manager tells Lewin there's someone out back that wants to see him. And as he's leaving, we see Bob Dylan sit down on mm-hmm. stage next and starts playing. And damn, dude, you yeah. see here, there's levels to the game. Yep. And Dylan is levels above Lewin Davis. And Dylan yeah. is where the money is. Yeah. 100%. I mean, you can see that there's there's the guy at the club who opened up, and then there's Bob Dylan at the club. You know, like, there's just yeah. that divide. Yeah. So Lewin goes out back. And it's the same scene as the beginning of the movie where he gets beat up. But now we know it was for heckling that lady the night before. It's this this lady's husband who's come to just like, you know, pay him back for what he did to her. Yeah. And all the while this is happening, all the while he's getting beaten up, we hear Dylan performing. We can still hear his song. And Lewin says au revoir to the guy who beat him up. The Dylan song plays us into the credits and the end. Yep. Tough ending. Well, tough ending, but it's the beginning. This is one thing I wanted to talk about. This movie is essentially a a circle, right? Because the beginning is is the end. We start off with him getting beat up in an alley. We end with him getting beat up in an alley. I was trying to figure out where, where does this all start? At one point, yeah, what point so, in the movie does it start? Where do you think this movie starts? You can't just connect the ending and the beginning and have it make sense. It's, it's, they didn't do yeah. it like that. It's a really interesting technique they used. It's very strange. It leaves me a bit confused trying to figure out, you know, where the start is. But I think the start is the beginning of the movie and the end is the end of the movie. They just put the same scene at the end. Yeah. I think, um, when he wakes up at the Gore Finds the first time, um, he writes a note when he wakes up and he says, sorry, I was a little messed up last night. Thanks for the bed. So we assume that that was the night before when he got beat up. But I think that's sort of the beginning of the timeline. And then we get to the end. But also, I think you are 100% right. I don't think this is supposed to be like we get to the end and we're like, oh my goodness, it's a circle and every puzzle piece fits in exactly perfectly. I think it's trying to show us by making it that sort of circle appear to be a circle that this is Lewin's life. Like we saw a week in his life and this is just what his life is every single week. Right. Every week he circles around between his friends. He goes and plays at the gaslight. He gets, you know, maybe gets a little too drunk one night, starts yelling at someone, gets beat up. Like this is the cycle he can't break out of right now. And I think that's what the movie is just sort of trying to say by doing those two start and end scenes being exactly the same. Yes, that is what I 100% agree with. That I think that makes sense for the story they're trying to tell. Yeah, for I, sure. I think that's what's happening. And yeah, that's that's perfect. I just think this 
movie is such a beautiful story of hardship where when what you do really well is always going to be not quite good enough, how do you recover from that? Or, or where do you take that? You know, do you give up or do you persevere? Do you keep going? Do you try to make it work? And they, they show us these really like extremely frustrating moments as he's trying to pursue this music career and they juxtapose it with how beautiful his music is. This, if I had to cut yeah. this movie into two things, it's that Lewin's life sucks, but Lewin's music is beautiful. I feel like that idea is something that could very easily be placed into a movie as an element of a movie within many, many other elements. But what the Coens decided to do is they they just they decided to strip everything else away and just give us an hour and a half of that idea and really yeah. dig into that idea, really like break it down and get into a, a really good character piece about that. Yeah. That's very, very bold. I think you have to go into that knowing it's not going to make a ton of money because there's going to be so many people yeah. not interested in it. But I mean, this is what I love out of movie makers, movies that do stuff like this, even if it's going to cost them money, like even if they maybe know they're going to lose some money. I think we've, I think we've talked about this on a previous episode where sometimes directors will get green lit on a movie, even though they know it's going to lose, lose money just to see what the director's got to see if he can maybe take on right. like a late, a better, more popular franchise or something like that. So right, right. I like when directors are willing to take a chance at something, make something beautiful, make something artistic I love this movie for those reasons. You don't get movies like this very often. And I just, I love seeing them when, when we get them. Yeah, man. I think this movie is super unique. Like you said, we don't see it very often. Um, it's this strange feeling. It gives me that I've mentioned before where I, I, it, it's this, it's this type of character. That's an asshole kind of the whole movie but like, you can't call this guy a bad person. Like, that's the wrong take on it. Like, I, I think he's an asshole, but he's like going through a lot of shit. So I feel bad for him. And I'm also mad at him for being an asshole. And it's just sort of the perfect middle ground. Oscar Isaac is the perfect person to have in the role. He absolutely kills it. Um, he's like amazing at all the music. And I think, I do think there are multiple different things you can take out of the movie. Um, which is, I think, what it's sort of designed for. There's lots of different things you can latch on to, and then that can sort of speak to you. And uh, yeah, I just think it's so fantastic. It's very clear that Lewin, like, works so hard, and he is so talented, and he can't make it. And it's it's sort of like that, you know, if you work as hard, if you work really, really hard at your thing, you, you know, you'll make it. That's what it, all it'll take is you'll make it. But that's not all it'll take. Like, it also takes luck and it takes whatever. It takes the audience being at the same moment as you. Like, they are also at the same place you are and can understand that you are so great. And maybe in that moment, they didn't. Like, the audience just doesn't connect maybe with Lewin. I don't know. I, I really, really love this movie. I can watch it so many times over and over and always sort of take something different from it. Um, yeah, just one of my favorites. Yep, definitely. Uh, cool, man. We did it. We did it. We made it. I'm going to go listen to the soundtrack again. <laughs> no doubt. Because it's so fantastic. It's just, there's so many songs on there that just are so 
great. And I just, oh man, put them on and sing. Dean, thanks for joining. Yep, Tim. Thanks. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Oh, the weather is against me and the wind blows hard. The rain, she's a turning into hail. I still might strike it lucky on a highway going west. No, I'm traveling on a path beaten trail. So it's fairly well, my own true love. We'll meet another day, another time. It ain't the leaving that's a grieving me, but my darling who's bound to stay behind. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.